We're going to sing our first hymn, Take My, Le- Take My Life. Welcome to our service. Our theme today is discipleship. It's going to take the form of three people in conversation, and they're going to be Jill and Valma and John. Um, It's a a chat after hearing the readings from Kings and the Gospels of St. Luke. Right, let's begin our service. The Lord is here. Alleluia, Christ Christ is risen. risen Now for the prayers of penitence. Heavenly Father, we have sinned in thought, word, and deed, and have failed to do what we ought to have done. We are sorry and truly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all the past and lead us in this way to walk as children of light. Amen. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Now we're going to have our next hymn, which is 
He who would valiant be. Now for the readings. The reading from the first book of Kings. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazil king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel Meholah, to succeed you as a prophet. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was ploughing with twelve yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the twelfth pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the ploughing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. This is the word of the Lord.
A reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, verses 51 to 62. As the time approached for him to be taken up to the heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead, who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him, because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven and destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went to another village. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plough and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. This is the word of the Lord. In the Gospel reading today, that we heard about uh, Jesus going to Jerusalem. His purpose and goal is to go up to Jerusalem, where he'll ultimately be crucified and resurrected. The Samaritan village are against his visit as they associate Jerusalem with a religious heritage of rejection. They don't welcome anyone who is intent on journeying there. Jesus' disciples, John and uh, James, want to call down fire from heaven to consume them Samaritans. But Jesus, however, rebukes them. They're being overzealous in their discipleship. For we should let mercy rule our judgments and love rule our policies. For we all serve the king of love. Then come three great principles about what it means to follow Jesus and be disciples. Uh, it's not always easy after all. And we hear Jesus challenging the comfortable disciple, challenging the convenient disciple, and challenging the distracted disciple. What does Jesus expect of his disciples? We gain an insight when we listen to what Jesus expected when he called the disciples to follow him. We might find that the common description of a Christian is not quite the same as Jesus' description. Now, if people were to hear the reading from Luke and Kings, just as you have, a discussion about the meaning might be a bit like this. Three voices having a conversation. And those three are Jill, Barney and it was surprising <clears throat> that one of Jesus' followers, seemingly out of the blue, when they were just walking down the road, blurted out that he would follow him wherever he went. Was he just re reveling in his experience of being with Jesus? 
He had seen the miracles and heard Jesus' wide words. Was he just caught up in the excitement? Jesus breaks in with an amazing statement that foxes have holes and the birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. I think that the main thing that Jesus was getting at was a commitment to go where he leads. Even if it means that we have to leave our home comforts behind. It's amazing when you put this in the light of eternity. But there are people who refuse to follow Jesus because they do not want to miss their favourite TV show or not get out of bed on a Sunday morning. Think about what you gain when you follow him. Eternity in the presence of Jesus himself. What is a home in this world compared to the great reward and the presence of Jesus himself? Jesus ripped away the romanticism of what it meant to be with him. He didn't simply say, wonderful. He was trying to help the follower understand that though it's nice to be together and share God's love, and see his power, there are rough parts, rough times to carry out the Father's will. What about us? We like being Christians, but do we share a willingness to go wherever Jesus sends us? Or is there some element of wealth, health, comfort, or ease that might keep us from that commitment. Then, there's the barrier of family that Jesus suggests. Luke shows us that the former man's statement wasn't out of the blue at all. Luke says that Jesus says to another and is waiting for replies one by one. I wonder how we would personally respond to Jesus if he said to each of us, follow me. The man in Luke said that he had to bury his father first. It sounds like a legitimate excuse, but from Jesus' quick response, allow the bed, bed, dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God we see that the man's answer was not pleasing to the Lord. Why? Simply because Jesus had told the man to follow him. Yes, it does seem rather harsh saying, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But the man was probably asking permission just to stay where he was and not to follow Jesus. Maybe until after his father's days, and he might have been along for around for a long time. So that would have been a long wait before he was able to follow Jesus. But Jesus asked for a higher loyalty, probably even higher than Elijah expected for Elisha. There is no time to bury the dead. He must go and follow Jesus now. The one willing to follow Jesus doesn't say, I've got this to do today, uh, but tomorrow uh, I'll come and join you. If you follow, then you go where, where Jesus goes. This man wanted to be a convenient follower. Convenient followers are not followers at all. 
because they will only accompany Jesus when it's convenient for their schedules. Jesus challenged him to set his priorities in place. I wonder how we do this practically. I think first comes the absolute commitment. If we mean to follow Jesus, then he must come first. And when issues arise, and they will, then as Christ's disciples, ask Jesus what we should do. In this case, the man could have asked Jesus how he should care for his father. We don't make bargains with those in authority. We would be a convenient disciple if we did. And not worth much. And not there when we were needed. These sort of disciples give the Lord the leftovers of their lives. Another man also answered Jesus' call to follow him. But wanted to say goodbye to those at home first. Jesus didn't accept this response either. Jesus said that no one who puts his hand to the plough and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. It seems Jesus means here that by his response, this disciple would allow the little things to distract him. He asks Jesus to permit him to do this, again making bargains with the master. He would be a good disciple, but he liked his family too, and he would be devoted for a while, and they would not see him for a while. He'd be involved in some other matter. Yes, it's a, the principle of looking back, as Jesus <coughs> said. No one who puts his hand to the plough and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Because if you're constantly looking back, you aren't concentrating on the direction in which you should be going. That is, towards God. God's people always found this tempting. Look in the Old Testament. They were only just a few days out of Egypt before people were longing to go back. It doesn't take long after we've been rescued from some horrible calamity before we forget how miserable we were and start to be discontented with where we are now. We live in an age of more, which means we live in an age of discontentment, which means we live in a deeply unhappy age in some ways. Accumulation can never buy you happiness because happiness is contentment with what you have. Greed will only ever make those people who want more miserable. Don't look back in envy. We have to put our hands to the plough and move forward in our journey with God. Jesus challenges the distracted disciple. We have to stay focused and be committed. Find out what is important and stay with it. Following Jesus is a long-term commitment. We must notice our tendencies to get distracted and determine in our hearts to follow him. Sometimes we need help to discern what is important. 
That new course, Discipleship Explored, that's coming on in the parish, sounds as if it might help. It's starting in September. So if we are serious about being disciples, we should give it a try. We all have We all have a calling to follow Jesus and it's a life call. He's a whole it's, he has a whole new life mapped out for his uh, disciples. The kingdom of God is comprised of them and they stand ready to unquestionably live out God's commands. They're not missions, but they're ready, readying ourselves for missions. The five marks of mission are to proclaim the good news of the kingdom, to teach and encourage the baptism and nurture of new believers, to respond to human needs by loving service, to seek to transform unjust structures of society, and to strive to safeguard the integrity of creation and sustain and renew the life of the earth. The mission of the church is the mission of Christ and of all disciples, including us. We're now going to sing the hymn, Take Up Thy Cross. Let's come before our Lord now in prayer. Our Father in heaven, 
We humbly thank you for the revelation of your Son, our Saviour Jesus. We thank you for his life of complete obedience to your will and guidance, even giving his life in our place on the cross. We thank you for the forgiveness and acceptance into your holy household that is gained for us. We thank you for the challenging words of Jesus we've heard today. Challenging us to a singleness of heart in our life of following after you as a disciple. To enable us to fulfill our personal roles in this parish. We would ask for the inner strength and ability to live in a manner worthy of the calling you have given us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those who have responsibility to watch over us. For Andrew, our Archbishop, and John, our Bishop, and for all who are called in service under them. We ask that you grant them strength, guidance, and wisdom as they seek to undertake their various roles within our parish. Strengthen and challenge us to follow their good example, endeavouring always to support them and our fellow brethren in a spirit and bond of family and peace. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray also for Elizabeth, our Queen, asking that you'll continue to bless her during this time of anniversary. We also pray for all those appointed to exercise authority under her, asking that you grant them wisdom and inner strength of character so that they may be found worthy of the calling entrusted to them. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for peace among the nations, looking to you to strengthen the humble and yet discipline the proud, the arrogant and the self-seeking. We specifically remember before you the various areas of international tension, particularly in Ukraine at this time, and also those areas of recent disaster, such as the earthquake in Afghanistan. Lord, will you bring strength and comfort to those in need and bring the provision that you have promised to them. May we and our fellow believers around the world have freedom to undertake the proclamation of your gospel as you have commanded us that we may make disciples of all nations. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for all who work tirelessly to help others, whether medically, socially, and particularly for those in the emergency services, for health and care workers, doctors, pharmacists, and for those giving their time freely to assist in the food banks, supporting the homeless, poor and needy. We ask you to comfort the downtrodden, and the oppressed in our land. Please grant us the strength and ability to support and stand up for them, as your word so clearly commands. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Finally, we remember before you the sick, the infirm, the lonely, and those who grieve over the loss of loved ones. We pray for them, requesting that you will be for them their healer, their comforter and provider. May your peace that passes all understanding keep them secure in your love.
Hear us, Heavenly Father, for we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus, to the end that your kingdom may be established and that all the glory and praise will be yours, now and forever. Amen. Amen. We now pray the prayer for the, the special prayer for today, the collect. Lord, you have taught us that all our doings without love are nothing worth. Sending your Holy Spirit, send your Holy Spirit and pour into our hearts that most excellent gift of love, the true bond of peace and of all virtues, without which whoever lives is counted dead before you. Grant this for your only Son, Jesus Christ's sake, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us now say the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Please stand to affirm your faith. Do you believe and trust in God the Father, the creator of all? I believe and trust in God the Father. Do you believe in his Son, Jesus Christ, the Saviour of the world? I believe and trust in God the Son. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life? I believe and trust in God the Holy Spirit. This is the faith of the Church. This is our faith. We believe and trust in one God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Finally, the new Diocesan prayer um, as we build for the future and continue to seek the growth of God's kingdom. Lord Jesus, thank you for this new day. I pray that you will give me faith, hope and love. Faith to have the reassurance that you called me to be here and that you all and with you all things are possible. Hope to see your wider vision and the generosity of spirit to build for the future and not recreate the past. Love to have courage to do your will, but joy and gentleness in doing it. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Amen. And now our final hymn, and as we all know it, Trust and Obey. <laughs> 